our kind of Heavenly Father. God, we thank you. This is a high Sabbath. There's a lot going on, a lot of things coming back. And God, I prayed earlier uh, with our team, and I just, I want to thank you again for the rain. The rain that happened the last few days here because, well, it signifies life, but it also signifies that uh, we are now in the summer. We're getting there. And uh, in Florida, we know that when the rain comes, it means that it's summer. And so, God, as seasons change, we want to change with it. And God, as you mold us into the church that you want us to be, Lord, if it's going to be uncomfortable, I ask that you just do it. We need you to be in charge. And so, God, we invite you into this place today. Lord, fill this, this, this um, sanctuary with your Holy Spirit presence. And God, I ask that you'd fill in the gaps today. Lord, I can't, I can't do this without you. So I really am asking God that you would just take over, that this word be yours and not mine in your name. Amen. All right. So it was, it was a very early morning, uh, my senior year at Southern, right? Like a good student, or maybe like a good theology student, right? It's expected. <laughs> it's expected of all good Christians, right, that we do our devotionals, right? And so I, a crisp early morning, I, I get up, my roommate's still asleep, I put a little light on, and I'm reading, and I'll be honest with you, I don't really remember what I read, okay? I don't remember what I read. I remember the feeling I had as I was reading it and what I felt when I prayed at the end. I said, man, this was just amazing. God, you are speaking to me. God, if you need me to step in and help someone today, I ask that your Holy Spirit put someone in my path to help. No matter what it is, God, do what only you can do. All right. And I did that. And it was a good day, right? And I, and I go, I eat breakfast, and now it's time for class, and I'm walking to class. And as I'm going to class, my phone buzzes. And it's a friend of mine, a girl I went to high school with, who, I'll be honest, you know, like how it happens, you don't really talk much anymore. I haven't heard from you in years. But, you know, as the social media age, we're all friends on Facebook, you know. <laughs> we see each other on there, but we don't ever talk, and that's kind of how it is. And, but she reaches out to me, and I say, oh, my goodness, I haven't heard from you in a long time. And the message she wrote me was, I'm sorry to be reaching out after so long and asking you this question. I am in a dire place. I got kicked out of, uh, of my house. I am homeless. Can you help me get a hotel room tonight? You know, with things like Cash App, it's not that hard nowadays. If you need to send money to someone, you can. And as I read this text, I remind myself, Ben, you are poor. <laughs> All of your money is going into this education, right? Also, Raquel and I were uh, together at this time, but uh, fun fact, if you didn't know, Raquel didn't go to Southern. We knew each other from here in Florida. And so what I would do, I had a job on campus, and any money I could get together, I would either use that to get her a plane ticket to fly up or me to fly down. And so I'm reading this, and I'm saying, oh, man, like, 
I am the unfortunate. I don't think that I really am in a position to be helping you. But in the back of my mind, I'm reminded, Ben, you prayed for this today. Don't be that guy. (laughs) And so I look at my bank account, right? I open my wallet and the fly comes out and I say, well, well, I do have something that I can give. And so, you know, I message her back and I say, you're in luck because you'll never believe what I prayed (laughs) this morning. Right? And as I tell the story to some people, they say, Ben, you probably just got scammed and, you know, people are always asking for money. And it, maybe. But I don't think that that was a coincidence. I think that that was right. And she messaged me back, thank you. She sent me a uh, message saying that, you know, brought tears to her eyes, all of these things. And it made me feel good. I had to do what was right. I had to do the right thing. I just prayed about it this morning. If I don't send this money, what am I saying, right? I had to do the right thing. And so, as we transition, right, we are closing in on the end of our series on Acts. We only have one more sermon. Uh, We have one sermon left. Oh my goodness, Siri. I'm not trying to listen to Netflix... (laughs) Like, uh, like Fred said, modern technology. Maybe I'm, I'm older than I look. Um, I, uh, yeah, so we're closing in on our series on Acts. We're rounding it out. And like I said before, it's been really good for, for me, and I hope that it's been a blessing to you. And as I was reading, continuing in Acts, I'm picking up a, uh, how do you say, a, a pattern. I'm noticing a pattern about Paul. And I'm reading, and I'm reading, and I say, you know what? Paul is a guy who does the right thing, just consistently does the right thing. And I say, man, I want to be like Paul. I want to be like Paul, always doing the right thing. And so if you want to open your Bibles, we're going to be right here in the beginning. We're going to be in Acts chapter 19, Acts chapter 19, verse 21. Acts chapter 19, verse 21. We're only going to read one verse right now. If you are there, we're going to go ahead. It says, verse 21, Now after these events, Paul resolved in the Spirit to pass through Macedonia and Achaia and go to Jerusalem, saying, After I have been there, I must also go to Rome. Now, I'm going to pause here for a second. I'm going to transition from, you know, preaching. I'm going to teach a little bit here because I, I learned something about this that uh, was, is puzzling me, and I, and I, I just studied it this time. It's, it's the fact that depending on what version you have, what version of the Bible you have, it might say something a little bit different, right? So uh, my version said that he resolved through the Spirit to go, Right? So other versions might say the Spirit led him, and there's other versions that say Paul just decided himself to go, right? Uh, And so there's debate among this, right? Scholars. That's what what people always say. Scholars, they're they're debating over this. Who are the scholars? I mean, there's, you know, you can name some of them, but really it's just people arguing. What this is, 
And I don't want you to be confused by this. What this is is a prime example of how things don't always translate well into English or Spanish or what have you when you read the Bible from the, uh, from the original language. I had a professor at Southern who said to me, Ben, Hebrew's hard, but it's like reading the Bible in HD because it really gives you the details of what the author was trying to say. And so the question here is, is this Paul just deciding on his own to do this, or was this the Holy Spirit telling him to go? And so I'm not going to, you know, break down the entire Greek text. We can have that conversation if you want, uh, but I don't, you know, a lot of this is, you know, <laughs> it's a lot. Uh, the best way that we probably can uh, uh, translate this text is that Paul decided by the direction of the Holy Spirit, right, to go to Jerusalem and go to Rome, okay? So, um, maybe you've had stuff like this, right? So, sometimes God is very, very clear, right? And we've seen, we'll just, we'll just use examples from Acts, right? Sometimes God is super clear. You cannot deny it at all. We think of things like Pentecost, right? No denying that. There's fire above your head, okay? That was obvious, we think of Paul's conversion. A bright light knocks him off of his horse. He's blind. A voice tells him, hey, what are you doing? You're persecuting me. That was very obviously the leading of God. We also think of things like prison breaks that we just, uh, that we just learned this last week where an earthquake happens and, and, and the doors bust open, and, and that is very obviously God. Things like that are not coincidences. However, sometimes... God simply will direct our steps. Sometimes he's a little more quiet, a little more, I'm going to let you be directed. I'm not going to push you in that direction. So um, I think of an example, a personal example in my family's life, my mom, my dad, my sister and I, um, when we first moved to uh, Florida, Years, years ago, we were not doing so well financially, so we had to live in this place that was like, uh, I think we call them like equal, uh, equal opportunity housing, right. So, after a while, praise God, things changed for us, and we were told, hey, you actually make too much money to live here, which is a good thing, but it's also a problem, because, uh, you know, <laughs> if you've ever noticed in life, maybe it's happened to you, you make too much money to, to, you know, get some of the benefits, but you don't make enough to actually pay for it on your own. So we were in this weird, like, interim thing, and, and well, we had to go. And so the pressure was on. We need to find a house. We need to buy a house. And so, you know, I'm young, but I can see that my parents are stressed out and, um, House hunting's hard, right? You, you think you like the place, and then boom, somebody takes it from you, and uh, it's pulled out from under your legs, the rug. Um, and so we found this place in, in, like, the middle of nowhere, Apopka. It's probably developed now because Apopka is, like, booming. But back then, it was kind of the middle of nowhere. It was this really cute, nice house. I was excited about it. My sister was excited about it. My parents were excited about it. But because of how fast the market goes, the realtor said, if you want this house, you need to move on it now. Well, okay, but, you know, tomorrow, that's the Sabbath. Uh, that's the Sabbath for us. You know, is it possible for us to do it Sunday? No. By Sunday, this house will be gone. And so the, oh, man, you know, 
it's, it's, it's in our mind. Oh, my goodness. Do we sign the papers? Do we do something huge like this on the Sabbath? Or do we be homeless? Like, what, what are the options here? And, um, you know, there was one thing about the house, right? The house is great. But there was one thing, really two things that made us uneasy, right? It was that we were going to have to move on this on the Sabbath. And it was also that my, uh, I think it was my sister who found out by accident because she had like these little marbles that no matter where you were in the house, the, the balls would roll into the center of the uh, house, right? But here's the thing. Here's the thing. My sister really didn't tell everyone that, right? So <laughs> she told me, and I was like, that's, well, that's weird, but whatever. We'll be fine. Later, she told my parents, and that made them uneasy, a combination of having to sign papers on the Sabbath, and that said, you know what? If it's God's will, we're, gonna, we're just going to wait, and if the house is still there, then we'll take it, right? So Sunday rolls around. Hey, can we sign some stuff? Nope, the house is gone. Man, the house was perfect. Then one day, right, so you guys are from Florida. If you guys aren't, this is a Florida thing. Maybe I don't know if it happens where you're from. If the marbles roll to the center of your house, it's usually an indication that house won't be there much longer, <laughs> right? So a few years down the line, we've turned the news on, boom, sinkhole. Wasn't that the house we were going to get? That house and the entire block are gone. Oh, no, 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 no. We had to, and I, we praise God for that now, you know, because we really struggled with it. I know that my parents struggled with it because what are we going to do? And they chose to do the right thing. They did the right thing, and it saved us from possible death, right? And we see that, that, um, uh, that this thing happens, right? So God did not, boom, a bright light, don't buy this house, right? God did not, you know, the second we were in, like, left, the house sank. It took years for that to happen. God guided my family. He directed the steps. It was more of a background thing, not an in-your-face thing. And they chose, my family chose to do the right thing, and uh, it, it saved us. So, we can have peace, right? So, this verse, we're going to read it again. I'm going to read it again. Uh, the, the part that's kind of iffy that Paul resolved in the Spirit, or your version might say that Paul decided but what we can really read this as is Paul decided by the direction of the Holy Spirit, it was more of a quiet thing, that Paul was led by the Spirit to go to Rome and to go to uh, Jerusalem and then Rome. And so we might say, well, you know, are you sure? Ben, are you sure? Well, as we read and we talked about last week, I have confidence that this was the direction of the Holy Spirit because we see examples that God says no, <laughs> right? If he does not want you to do something, he will say no. Because Paul, right, if you'll remember, he wanted to go to Asia. And God, the, the, the verse literally says God forbade him from entering. So the Holy Spirit, this Holy Spirit is communicating, right? The Holy Spirit's still working. I believe that this verse is an indication that the Spirit was guiding Paul 
in this decision. Okay, so um, like I said, we're going to read this again. So verse 21 says, Now, after these events, Paul resolved in the Spirit to pass through Macedonia and Achaia and go to Jerusalem, saying, After I have been there, I must also see Rome. You might be thinking, and we'll see later on, that a lot of other people were also thinking, okay, Paul, I get it. Like, the work is kind of done over here. Rome, that might be a cool idea. It's a whole new field. But Paul, Jerusalem? Uh, You know they hate you, right? (laughs) That is not a good idea. But as Paul is being led by the Holy Spirit to do something, we see that Paul does the right thing. And he does the right thing, and he, and he, and he goes. So we're going to jump now, this next chapter over. We're going to be now in Acts chapter 20. And I really struggled with how I wanted to get this across to you all, um, because I think that this is probably one of the most powerful uh, uh, portions of Scripture, or portions of Acts. And so, if it's okay with you guys, um, I'm just going to kind of read it so that you have the entire context, right? So you know what's going on, and then we're going to go back and we're going to like go back and forth, because I feel like that's the best way to be able to uh, immerse you in what's happening. So is that okay? Is it okay if I read Scripture to you? That's good? All right. Amen. All right. So we're going to start uh, Acts chapter 20, verse 17. And we're just going to read this section here until uh, the end of this chapter. So, it says, Now, from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears And with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of the repentance towards God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now, behold, I know that none of you among whom uh, I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom, will see my face again. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of all, or of God. For I did not, oh, pay attention, sorry, verse 28, pay attention to yourselves and, uh, let me start again, verse 28, pay Careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert 
remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and those who were with me. And all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all, and there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful most of all because of the word he had spoken, that they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. Okay, awesome. When you travel nowadays, right, a lot of times... Uh, if you're going somewhere far, especially, you have, and you're flying, you have a layover, okay? This is, so to give some context to what's happening, Paul is already on his journey to Jerusalem, and he has this layover, so to speak, but back then layovers were longer. So he had time to have this whole conversation with the elders. That's what's happening here. He calls them together, and he lets them know, I'm not going to see you. I'm not going to see you. But he has some words of advice for them and some key uh, leadership things, uh, some key leadership uh, uh, nuggets, if you will, for us. And so in verse 18 to 21, right, um, where he says, You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying to both Jews and to Greeks of repentance towards God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul is telling us, Christ is telling us, do the right thing when you're given a responsibility. He says, just, I didn't, there were times that I probably wanted to not do this, but God gave me a responsibility. I have to see it through. When God tells you to move, move. How do we do the right thing? That's the question, right? How do we do the right thing? sometimes, right, when serving God with all the things going on nowadays, right? So some of the things that we're going to take away from this. Number one, Paul said, with humility. You want to serve God with humility, right? You might be right, but are you humble about it, right? You, you might be right, but are you humble? Paul also says, hey, I've been serving God through trials, right? Just the, the last time we spoke together, Paul was in prison, right? Through, through trials, Paul is praising the Lord in the midst of those trials. Paul is asking us, right, if we want to put ourselves in the story, do we trust him enough, right? Paul says, I didn't shrink away from anything. I held nothing back. Even if it's rebuke, right? Uh, 
when I worked at, uh, at Andrews, there was uh, the dean who I worked for, I think he stole it from Brene Brown, but what he would say all the time is clear is kind, right? Sometimes we can find ourselves saying, I don't know if I want to tell you the full truth because it's not going to be awkward, right? Um, a great example of this is uh, there was a student that I had to tell, hey, man, you need to shower, right? <laughs> and nobody else, all the RAs are like, nope, not it, not me. I don't want to do that. And we had to have this conversation. Hey, guys, clear is kind, right? What you're doing right now, you are not wanting to have this conversation, not because you want to spare his feelings, but because you don't want to feel awkward. So what, you kinda, what you're doing is actually kind of selfish because you're thinking about yourself. No, 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 we're thinking about him. No, because if you really cared about him, you would tell him that, hey, all these girls are clowning you right now because you smell like trash. If you really cared about him, if you really loved him, you would tell him the truth. And we see that Paul does that. He's rebuking people left and right. He doesn't hold back. And he knows that his life is in jeopardy because of it. He doesn't hold back. He does not hold back. Paul also says that he's been testifying to everyone. That's kind of what is getting him in trouble. When we do the right thing for God, we have to do it in a way that does not come across as elitist. I, we can't. And <laughs> that's difficult to do nowadays, right? Uh, it's difficult to tell somebody the truth that might not be good for them, or the night might not, I can't speak today, that might not be nice for them to hear, but is the truth and not come across as elitist. Through the grace of God, we can do that if we pray for it. And ultimately, Paul pointed people to God and faith in Jesus Christ. Not in him, never in him. Don't look at me, look to God. We must also not point people to a church. The church, listen, look at, look at me. I gave my entire, I'm giving my entire life to this church. I love this church. But we talked like towards the very beginning of this series, the church is only as powerful as the spirit that leads it. So we need to point people to God first. And the church is a blessed and welcome second. The reason Paul, and this is happening in real time right now, the reason it's important not to point people to a person, right? I'm... I'm I'm glad to be here, and I, and I have really nice conversations with all of you, and you say, I'm so glad you're here, and that's awesome. But I hope and I pray when I go home that it's not me that you ultimately come to church for. I pray that it's Christ that you come to church for. Something like this is happening in real time. I don't know if this name means anything to you, uh, but there is a huge worldwide church named Hillsong. Uh-huh. So Hillsong has churches all over the world, and one of their pastors, uh, this man named Carl Lentz, I think he was from New York, one of their New York churches, um, people loved coming to church because he was, you know, a good speaker, and, you know, the church service was nice and everything. Um, it was found out that um, uh, apparently he was having an affair, and so he was asked to leave. And the reason I say this is not to drag his name through the, through the mud, because 
you know, the Lord help us, there are plenty here in the Adventist church who have cheated on their spouses as well. So we cannot, uh, you know, point fingers and say, hey, that's, that's a Hillsong problem. That's a sin problem. The reason I bring it up is because as what's happening now, the fallout is really bad, okay? It's not great for Hillsong because what happens is uh, as, as leaders, right? And, and all of you are leaders in, in your own respect, and, and so I'm going to get to that a little bit more. But as spiritual leaders, people are looking at you, and, and, and they're waiting to see what it is that you do. And spiritual leaders need to do the right thing. They need to do the right thing. Because of a few reasons. Number one, People who might be on the, you know, on, on the fence or, or all the way outside are waiting to see you mess up, okay? Putting that out there. They're waiting to see you fall. Uh, the head pastor of all of Hillsong did an interview recently, and it really wasn't a fair interview, right? They were just saying, so this is a Christi- Christianity problem, and this is your fault, and how come you didn't know this? And hey, you know, I'm not Carl Lentz. I'm the other guy, and why are you putting everything on me? But it's because people are waiting to see spiritual leaders fail. That's what it is. They, they, they enjoy that. But more important than, you know, what happens with that is that <laughs> when, as spiritual leaders, when we fall, when we don't do the right thing, that ripple effect is much more destructive than if some other random person, right, fell. <laughs> People are looking at you, and they, they want to see what you do. As a leader, you, like, you might say, well, I'm... I mean, Ben, you're the pastor and you're the spiritual leader here, but in your circles, I imagine that some of you work with people who uh, aren't Adventist, right? Or you have family members who aren't Adventist. People are watching you, right? And they're waiting to see, is this person going to do the right thing? We have to do the right thing as spiritual leaders. We have to. We, we must. It's, it's, it's imperative. Even when we mess up, okay, even when we mess up, we got to recover and do the right thing to make up for that mistake that we have made. We also, uh, what Paul is teaching our church, what Paul is teaching us is that we need to do the right thing by staying vigilant. Right? So uh, he says here in verse 28 that, that uh, there's going to be people we're going to come up and, and uh, oh, sorry, 29, he says that people are going to come up. They're going to be like wolves. They're going to try to destroy this church. And not only from the outside, because that is unfortunate, but from the inside. People on the inside will start to say things that make no sense. They're going to steal people away, say twisted things. We have to stay vigilant. We have to do the right thing by staying vigilant, knowing your Scripture, Knowing Jesus and praying often, stay vigilant, my friends. Stay vigilant so that things like this, so that the wolves do not take you away. As leaders, we need to do the right thing 
when called by the Holy Spirit, we need to do the right thing despite the earthly consequences. And (laughs) those are hard sometimes. They really are hard. I know of families who have broken up. I know of friends who they don't talk anymore. Sometimes the earthly consequences are hard. People lose their life to this day for choosing Jesus and, uh, you know, places in the world. But when God says move, you got to move. Verse 22 said this, Paul speaking to them, And now, behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me and every city that imprisonment and affliction await me. The Spirit's telling me everywhere I go, bad things happen. So why is this going to be any different, right? (laughs) Verse 24, but I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel and the grace of God. And now behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom of God will see my face again. What is Paul saying? He's saying, I know what's happening. I know what's around the corner. I have to do it anyway. I have to do the right thing. And you'll see that people try to stop him, right? (laughs) So uh, in the next chapter over, verse 4, he comes and uh, he's with the disciples there, some disciples of the way, right? And it says, through the Spirit, they said, hey, don't do this. And again, so I'm going to switch back over to teaching just for a little bit. This is a great example, again, of things that are translated perhaps incorrectly or not as good as they could be. How we should understand this, how we should read this, how we should try to uh, hear this is that um, the Spirit showed them what would happen to Paul. (laughs) What is that? (laughs) It's a what? Oh, it's draining. Okay, all right. I said, I said God? <laughs> all right, okay. All right. All right. Um, where was I? <laughs> that really distracted me. I was like, what is that noise? Uh, oh, right. So the Spirit showed them. All right. So the Spirit showed them. These are the things that will happen to you. And it disturbed them so greatly that they said, Paul, please don't do this. Okay? So that, you know, it says through the Spirit, they pleaded with him not to go. But it's because the Spirit showed them the atrocities and the bad things that would happen to him. They're saying, Paul, this is bad. Don't do this thing. Don't do this thing. And again, in verse, you know, chapter 21, now we're going on to verse 10. It says, uh, while we were staying for many days... We, again, teaching moment, Luke wrote the book of Acts, so now we can know that Luke is with Paul in this moment, right? So verse 10, while we were staying for many days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea, and coming to us, he took Paul's belt and bound his own feet and hands and said, thus says the Holy Spirit, 
this is how the Jews in Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. When we heard this, we and the people there urged him, do not go to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, what are you doing, weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be imprisoned, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, or for the Lord Jesus. And since he would not be persuaded, we ceased. Let the will of the Lord be done. And I'm going to be honest with you guys. You're going to keep reading, and, and we're going kind of fast here. There's a lot of things to read in Acts, and I pray that what you've been doing is that, you know, when we're done, I can't cover it all, or we'd be here all year. I pray that you go home and you read the book of Acts for yourself. But what we're going to see exactly what the Spirit said would happen is what happens. But Paul went anyway, right? So he goes to Jerusalem, and people start making these wild assumptions about him, saying, hey, this is the guy who he goes around telling all the Gentiles to just desecrate the temple, and the law of Moses doesn't count, and the who, what's the law? You can do whatever you want. These are all incorrect assumptions made about Paul. On top of that, he goes, and he goes into the temple, or he goes into the synagogue, and you're not allowed to bring Greeks in there, right? Because that defiles the temple. And so people assumed that that's what he was doing. And so this, like, bro, it incites a mob, and they're ready to kill him. And, then, and they're literally beating up on him to the point where the Romans got to come in and, and say, what's going on? And they pull him out. And, and because they don't know what's going on, they say, well, the best course of action is just to imprison him, and we'll figure it out, Right? This wasn't something that they figured out the next day. Paul was in jail for years. For years. And we might say again, ah, oh, this is not okay. Like, all he's trying to do is preach the gospel. But why would the Spirit do this to him? Because of his imprisonment, right? I'm not trying to say imprisonment was fun. Because of this imprisonment, Paul had access to people that he probably wouldn't have had access to at least as easy, right? In the years he was imprisoned, he met a bunch of important people, officials, governors, kings. And with each person he met, they said, what are you in prison for? He's like, well, let me tell you about this man, Jesus. And he would tell them and tell them. And, and, and listen, you give Paul some time to speak, he's going to speak because he does the right thing. He does the right thing. And so, uh, uh, in conclusion, uh, <laughs> there we go. I'm going to do it this time. I always forget to tell the praise team to come up. There you go. That's the, that's the signal. Um, <laughs> in conclusion, right, as I'm reading this, you know, not that Jesus could do the wrong thing, mind you. Jesus, you know, he's, he's not someone who has to think, am I doing the right thing? Because he always is, mind you. I need to preface that before someone goes home and says, this guy's a heretic. But as I'm reading this, this portion of Scripture that we all read together, I'm, I was taken, for some reason, oh, the Spirit's leading maybe, my mind was with Jesus at the Garden of Gethsemane. And I'm imagining that that conversation, that, those prayers that he was having with his father might have been a little similar because the weight of sin on Jesus' shoulders, it was heavy. And we have this moment where, where Jesus is 
under so much stress that, that blood, right, is, blood is coming out, and, and, and he's praying to God, God, if it is possible, let this cup pass, right? But not my will, but yours be done. In the same way, Paul saying, my life is worthless. It doesn't matter as long as I do what God has asked me to do. That's it. And just as Jesus said, your will, not mine, be done, we have the gift of eternal life. And so, like I said, we're going to wrap up next week, but this might be more of a rhetorical question for now. But I want to put the seed out there. I want to put the seed in your mind. What are we going to do when God calls us to do something? We have, we have two options. You're either going to do the wrong thing <laughs> or you're going to do the right thing. Paul may have been nervous, and, you know, I'm sure he was. But his commitment to do the right thing superseded his fears. It superseded because he had trust in the Lord that he was able to sing, it is well, it is well with my soul. No matter what happens, they might throw me in prison, they might kill me, they might, you know, beat me, but it is well because I have to do the right thing. So what are you going to do the next time you're presented with the choice to do the right thing or the wrong thing? Think about that as we pray. And as we go into the next week, our kind and heavenly Father, a precious Father, Lord, we thank you for this Sabbath, a good Sabbath. God, we ask that when given the opportunity, Lord, that you would empower us, that you would equip us to do the right thing. God, that in the midst of trials and tribulations and Wherever it is that you're sending us or calling us to go, Lord, that we would go. God, I pray for our unbelief. I ask forgiveness. God, I pray for the times that we thought you weren't taking care of us. I pray for forgiveness. And God, Lord Jesus, may you continue to lead our church, lead in our personal lives. God, we can't do it without you. Paul would have broken a long time ago. Peter would have broken a long time ago had it not been for your spirit. And so, Lord, strengthen us today. I pray in your name. Amen.